What if that nagging feeling in the back of your neck was real? What if those hands reaching out from the dark that you believed were there, were there? What if the monster in the basement really existed? And what if there was really something under the bed? Would you have the courage to face your fears? Log 1. I awaken. I don't know it at the moment, but this day marks my fourth straight year of existing in the dogscape. I push myself up from the carpet of writhing, twitching dog flesh beneath me and rise to my feet, stretching in the morning sun. It took me a while to learn to balance on the layer of solid dogs that now blanket every inch of solid ground. But nowadays, I can walk and run as easily and as fast as I ever did on soil or concrete. Perhaps faster. This was a city once. I think. Though, which one I can't remember. I only owe my guess to the massive pillars of dogs jutting into the sky. Perhaps ancient buildings now completely filled and overgrown by canine biomatter. I climbed one once, sinking my fingers and toes deep into the dog wall to gain purchase. And after hours and hours of climbing, I was rewarded with an incredible vista. Fur and eyes, panting tongues and wagging tails, hugging the contours of the once barren land and stretching in a single amoeba mass farther than the eye can see. Now I don't do that, though, now, I merely go about my day. I hike to the gardens, where the dog plants sprout up in bizarre shapes from the floor of the dogscape, and reach up to pluck the fetal puppy fruits right off the wagging, energetic branches. I bite into the succulent flesh, the juices dribbling down my chin and dripping down to be reabsorbed by the ground flesh, and revel in the savory taste. I'm thirsty, so I range until I find one of the mother mounds, and there I suckle at a teat patch until I've had my fill of milk. Sometimes, I see other humans around me, as well adapted to the dogscape as I am, but I barely acknowledge them, say nothing. What, after all, is there to say? The world is different now. What meaning would our old words have? Free-ranging dogs are becoming rarer and rarer to see now, and those I do see seem as lost, as passive as I am. They too graze on the dog plants, step carefully over the undulating, bleeding dog floor, dimly acknowledging myself and one another in the distant sky. And on the far horizon, I sometimes see massive forms sail or crawl or undulate, and I wonder if in this new world, normal, singular, ambulatory dogs have become as obsolete as I am. Log 2 I dug down once, down beneath the dogs, beneath the hair and the ears and the barking, it was hard. It took a lot of planning. I had to destroy one of the dog trees with my hands, rip out the twisted, yards-long, commutal spines that served them as branches and lash them together with tendons and skin. But soon, I had tools. Pitchforks, spears, shovels. I picked a spot where the dog floor seemed shallower and set to work. The blood started spurting with my spear first broke the surface and didn't stop for hours and hours and hours. I was drenched in gore and viscera, covered in flecks of bone and meat and brain. But I learned to ignore the sickening, squelching sounds, ward off the smell, and just kept going deeper and deeper, spearing and levering out dogs of stranger and stranger size, and build. Dogs with two heads, 
Dogs with human hands. Dogs with rising tentacles where their back legs should be. Eventually, I came to the end of the dogs, or perhaps the beginning of whatever lies beyond dogs. An expanse of multicolored, patchwork fur that extended as far as I could dig in any direction. I could pierce it with great difficulty, but it barely bled, and try as I might, I could only barely peel back the skin away, revealing a layer of striated, grayish muscle beneath. It started to tremble as I watched it, shaking the very dog matter around me, and I realized that the dogscape was beginning to regenerate itself, close in over me, seal me in, so I fled, climbing back up into the light. Log 3 The stream trickled warmly past the blacked, leathery edges of the puppy mouth stream. The saliva waters churned as they flowed from the bed of the stream, lined with the ever-lapping tongues of eager, greeting puppies. To find a rock on the shore is to find sharp milk, teeth, of weaned dogs, cast to the tufts of mange weeds growing into spits and banks. The head of the stream is split by a single mound of golden fur, like an upholstered boulder set with a large golden eye that swerves to see passing visitors. The waters will bubble and froth should the eye see you. The tongues lap nervous, loving greetings with gurgled yips. Log 4. The Dogscape. That's what we call it. Us humans that band it together, I mean. We sit around campfires and cook the whelps we collect from the dog trees. The only flammable material we have is the acrid fur that grows everywhere. It offends all senses, but soon, the meal is prepared. The only food source are the dog trees and the mother mounds. Some foolish enough dig for meat, though the reward is great. Many don't come back, for the dog flesh regrows above them, trapping them inside the moist ground. Primitive tools are forged from bones and leather, such as shovels and knives and clothes. I have lived here for as long as I can remember. There are faint shimmers of the time before the dog flesh. But what use is there dwelling in the past when I cannot fill our stomachs in the present? I am our tribe scribe. My name is Doc. I used to have a real name, but it escapes my memory. I record all of our findings and knowledge in my leather pages, using dog blood as ink. There were times when there were more of us. The tribe started with as many as 60 people. Now, our numbers are as few as 20. Our leader is Keith. He instructs us to find food, build shelter, and bring fire. He abuses his power, taking five wives and eating more than his fair share of food. But those who speak against him meet death in the night. It is hellish, but there is no other choice. Without guidance, we will die out here. So he must remain under his leadership. It has been two days since my last writing. I am lucky that Keith cannot read, for if he had seen my statements about him, I would be dead. Yesterday, one of our tribe members caught was killed accidentally stepping into one of the open dog mouths. His screams of pain as it chewed forced to crush his skull with a shovel, killing him instantly. The bastard Keith claimed Cot's food ration as his own. I can sense the others are beginning to tire of Keith's position of power as well. Nobody spoke a word of that night's feast. I will not sleep well tonight, hearing Cot's screams in my nightmares. I fear for my life. Feck was killed in front of all of us by Keith today. He refused to continue digging for meat, so the monster beat him to death with his bare hands as a sign that he would not tolerate a refusal to work. I cannot stand for this much longer. Feck was not an even adult. He could not have been more than 17 human years. This brings our numbers down to 18, 
There is Keith, his five wives, me, and the remaining eleven diggers and gatherers. The others whisper to me in secret that I should be the leader instead. I guess they think I have all the answers because I am the scribe. Only time will tell. I was awoken at the crack of dawn by one of the diggers, Gar, specifically. He told me that tonight would be the night. The others had a plan. They want to announce that I am the new leader during the feast. When he is distracted with rage, they intend to kill him from behind. I tell Gar that I accept his plan and will assist them tonight. What have I got myself into? Damn them all. I told Keith I planned to replace him. He arose, filled with rage. I waited for the blow to strike him. It never hit Keith. Instead, it hit me. Gar was Keith's spy all along. They dragged me far away from the gardens and tied me to a barren dog tree. He said that a quick death would not befit me. I will waste away under the deathly sun. I can just barely reach my journal from here. I suppose this is the end for me. When the sun was highest in the sky, the heat became unbearable. I saw figures on the horizon. They were not human. They were the hounds that come to eat what the humans leave behind. I thought they were going to eat me. Instead, they went for the blood-soaked meat ropes that helped me in place. I was free. I kneeled down to the hounds and looked deep in their eyes. I told them I know where they can fill their bellies to the rim. They barked once at what I assumed was confirmation. I stood up, and we set off to feast. When we reached the settlement, it was amidst their feast. I approached, death in my gaze. Keith was shocked and angry. The diggers and gatherers were quick to his defense. I guess he bribed them. I whistled, and the hounds slinked through the fur to my side. We struck like a lightning bolt. My fist smashed into Keith's face just as my hounds pounced upon his closest guards. Though I was physically weak, I was quite fast. I stole a shovel and quickly buried it into Keith's bloat while he was disoriented. The smell was sickening, as I expected from a man like him. The hounds made quick work of the rest. I helped, of course. None were spared. I made sure I had my vengeance upon Gar. The hounds were quite full by the end. I took my time and buried each corpse, or what was left of them. I leave this book upon their graves in the hopes that someone who can understand it finds it. If you do, take heed of these words. The dogscape knows all, and is strict but fair. She provides justice where justice is due. Log 5 I had a dog right after the dogscape happened. His name was Carl, and he always followed me around. When I was almost dead from starvation, he got my dog fruits. When I was dying of thirst, he held his mouth and got it for me. One day, his foot got stuck in a mouth and I couldn't help him out, so I watched while it swallowed him. A few years later when I went back, Carl was right there, but he was stretched out. I went to pet him, except it wasn't him and he bit me and wouldn't let go. I wonder if people can be part of the dogscape too. I miss Carl. Log 6 All is one in the new truth. The dog mother is vast beyond imagining, and requires many to be kept comfortable and clean. We chosen do not go unrewarded. However, in her vast wisdom, the matriarch gives all we need. We sup from her vast teat, a hearty meal unlike any other. It invigorates and nourishes us, canistodians, and gives us more than we could have ever wished. The time soon approaches, though, to find new workers. 
The metamorphosis is upon many of us, and soon we will join the glory of the dog mound. We are so different from the others, as they shuffle around down among the photo groves. Many of us have a thick coat already, and old Lawrence has already begun to walk on all fours. Soon we will shed our mortal selves and be part of the dog mother, our mother. Log 7 I think we knew war had been lost the day the general committed suicide. The masses of flesh and fur just spread, like waves across the cities. We found out that whatever it was, it was drinking the oceans and eating anything it came across. Airstrikes, tanks, bombs, it only slowed it down. We were living on borrowed time. It was unstoppable. I don't think that it was until later that we noticed all the dogs were gone. And then at night, the howling. It was just too much. The former soldier's face streamed with involuntary tears as he remembered the events. He sat there, wallowing in his own emotions, telling his story to a skeleton he found. My unit completely wiped out. I saw those tentacles and those mouths. They tore them to shreds. I ran away, even when they called for help. It's all our fault. The dog tree shifted slightly. Many eyes growing around directed their gaze towards the psychopathic man. You ruined everything. You killed my friends, my family, goddamn everyone. He ran and stabbed one of the eyes of the bone fragment. A howling noise emerged, and a nearby dog tree spotted him several yards. He broke a few ribs when he hit the ground. He coughed a bit of blood, but got back up and charged again. This time he ran towards one of the open mouths around and kicked several of his teeth out. It bit his foot in response, costing him a toe or two. He was so full of adrenaline, he was incapable of registering any kind of pain. He beat and tore and bit at the flesh with his bare hands until he was knee-deep in blood and gore. One of the tubes he tore spilled some sort of digestive fluid all over him. It burned, but he had to go on. He dug and dug with his bare hands until the ground started to close above him. He kept digging until he found them the heart and the brain. He laughed at his fortune of finding both of them, so close to each other. He jammed his hands deep into the gray matter, disturbing the contents and slowly losing oxygen in his tunnel of meat. He gasped and clawed at the heart, tearing it out of place. He collapsed and blacked out. He awoke to many tentacles burying themselves in his body. One hit his spinal cord and fused with his brainstem. A flood of thought hit him all at once, as he suddenly became one of the dogscape. More tentacles connected themselves into his vital organs, as to become assimilated. He saw through every eye on the lands, and he felt every single nerve on the planet. The healing factor continued tearing him apart, but adding new pathways and connections. It wasn't long until he was entirely consumed. His memories faded away, as his brain was recognized into placing the one he had destroyed. Log 8 it's been three years and two weeks now since I met another human being. I know because I've cut a small notch in my left leg for every day, one on my left arm for every week, and one on my right arm for every year. Admittedly, not the most effective way of keeping track of time, but when I started, I figured I'd be dead or this would be over before it really mattered. Like I said, I haven't met any other people for a while, but I figure I would write this anyway just in case. As a warning to others, I might be out here. I ran into something terrible today. Well, the whole dogscape is terrible, but I mean more terrible. I think even among the dogscape, 
It's some sort of crazy abomination, since the feral dogs and the ground mounds didn't seem too fond of it either. And that screaming is not something I ever hope to hear again. But that's not the beginning. I'm sorry about this. The blood I'm using doesn't really come off the paper, and I can't waste any by throwing it away. And not even thinking about talking to other people for years has made me sort of bad at thinking in a straight line. But I'll try. Let me just start over at the beginning. The day started normally. It was my weekly gathering day, so I left my tent. By the way, I left the tent at the foot of the pillar of dogs in the direction of the setting sun if you want it. But you probably won't because the skin has probably gone bad by now. To collect the dog fruits, I would need for the week and to fill a bag or two with milk. But when I got to the place where there should have been teats, there was just a bloody mess where someone had dug deep into the flesh of the dog's gape. I didn't really think much of it at first, just that I would need to go looking for a new source of milk. Then I saw it. I thought it was another person at first. If I had stopped to really look first, I wouldn't have had any problems and I wouldn't be writing this right now. I guess I started shouting to get its attention, and I did get its attention because it turned to me, and then I realized that I had made a huge mistake. Thinking back, the really long arms and the twisty body probably should have been my first clue. But I didn't really see that anything was wrong until it was turned toward me, and I saw what I thought was a head was just a featureless lump of flesh. Its arms unfolded outwards, each arm ending in two canine legs, and the human face on its chest opened its mouth and started screaming. I figured it was bad news then, and made a mad dash for the nearest pillars of dogs. But it kept running after me, and it was just faster. Somehow, I managed to make it, and I started scrambling to climb out of its reach. I didn't get very far before there was a sharp pain in my leg, and I looked down and saw that it had bitten me with one of the many canine mouths along the arm things. I screamed as it pulled me down, but that didn't do much, and I probably would have died right there, and then, if it weren't for what happened next. Out of nowhere, a mouth I didn't even see when I started climbing the dog pillar bit down on it, and then one on the ground, and they started chewing at it, but they didn't really seem to hurt it, but it let go all the same. I ran away as fast as I could, but I could hear the screaming long after I was out of sight. I didn't sleep that night. Just before nightfall tonight, I felt like I had to make sure the dogscape had killed it and went to the pillar, but I saw no trace of it. The notebook I tore this paper from was there, and I took that. So now, here I am. I am not going to stay around here any longer after I finish this, but finding this notebook made me think maybe there are other people, and if so, maybe I should warn them about things like this. So if you're reading this, good luck. Oh, also, I'm moving in the direction of the rising sun, so if you can read this, you're probably another person. So if you go that direction, maybe we can meet up and be a little better off than we were. Log 9. Ticks are the only ones that seem to like this place. They're everywhere. During the evenings, I can see massive clouds of the bastards flitting across the mattered surface, making the flesh of the dogs get quiver as they drink their fill. Sometimes, Candid legs of various size and deformity burst through the surface to scratch at them. It doesn't work. All the dogscape gains are vast stretches of scar marks, which the fleas feed upon. Sometimes, I rest on the side of a large outgrowth, only to realize it's a monstrous tick. They latch on to one of the deep arteries of the dog flesh and endlessly leech of the New World's lifeblood. I saw a man, once. 
It was a hot day. I was making my way to a dog pillar and saw him in the distance. He wasn't moving, and as I approached, I saw why. He was covered in ticks. Not a single spot on him was clear. What little clothes remained on him were stretched over the fuckers. There was no wind, so all you heard was a faint scuttling of their tiny legs scratching against their lucidly swelled bodies. He must have heard me, because he opened his mouth and tried to say something. His voice was raspy, and his mouth was red, but he did manage to say one word. Itch. Log 10. Today is the fifth day of the twelve month of the 654th year. Ours is the final generation. After us, the dogscape will be all that is left, and remaining men will either absorb into mother dog or perish from their swiftly dying world. I have only a vague memory of my mother. Whether she was killed, stolen, or absorbed, I can't say. Really, no one is quite sure what happened to the woman. Slowly but surely, they've disappeared, often vanishing in the night without any warning and leaving no trace. Women are the only thing of value in this world anymore, and the primary purpose of the tribe is to protect the group's claim to a woman who is used for the benefit of all the members. Our tribe's woman was taken several months ago. The first month, we mourned her. She may have been a captain in many ways, but many of us could not help but become attached to her. The second some of the men began engaging in homosexual activities with one another out of desperation. I'm sure that I was not the only one who realized that there was a little meaning to our continued companionship, and that soon the tribe would disband. This is the third month since she was taken, and it's all falling apart. First, the elder was killed over a dispute. It was really just a confirmation that the unity of the tribe no longer existed, no longer had any reason to exist without the tribe's woman. And so... We began to drift apart. I know what will come next. When tribes dissipate, the members, alone and confused, come to depend on the mother dog for sex in much the same way they do for food, warmth, and shelter. Mother dog's sex origins dot the landscape like diseased, watery molehills in the dog flesh. The men find a sex organ to claim for their own and spend their days thrusting into it. Often they find entrances near dog trees, fucking when they're desirous and eating the fetuses when they're hungry. They have no reason ever to move from their mound. In this way, men forget the world around them and become obsessed with mother dog. Now not only a mother, but a lover too. It is their everything. It is common to see skeletons, either bare or being picked apart by dogs, their pelvises still pressed into a dog mound, surrounded by the still reeking stench of their own filth. Today is the 27th day of the 12th month of the 654th year. As I had predicted, the former members of my tribe have slowly but surely fallen into a degenerate lives as mound humpers. The desperate scum have forgotten their own humanity. Sickening, I vow never to fall into that disgusting state, and so I will walk this lonely, depraved dogscape. Searching. It can't end this way. With all humanity uselessly masturbating itself into extinction, so I continue, knowing I may end up hopeless, utterly defeated by the dogscape. Today is the second day of the fourth month of the 663rd year. I found a woman, standing, as if waiting for me, under a dog tree. Her mouth dyed red with the blood from a dog fetus. At one time, I would have been puzzled to see a woman standing alone and unafraid. But I haven't come upon a tribe in years 
and incredibly rare does one come across a man who is not mesmerized by a dog mound. I suppose this must have been the biggest surprise to her, to have found a man who has not yet become a slave to mother dog. In any case, it's important not to take chances, so I grabbed her, forced her down, and fucked her right there. Then I tied her down to the dog tree with a length of dog flesh rope so that she couldn't run. Today is the seventh day of the eighth month of the 663rd year. My woman is pregnant. I have watched over her, protected her from the wild mongrels that still roam the dogscape. When the swarms of ticks come, I cover her in a hide. I wonder if we are the only ones left on this planet who are still human. Today is the fifth day of the first month of the 664th year. My child was born today. My woman squeezed my hands, breathing hard, pushing. After some time, the child came. A healthy, normal, female infant. I saw that all my struggles hadn't been in vain, that our race did have a future, and I realized that I was crying. I held the child briefly and then set it down to reach for my blade to cut the umbilical cord. No sooner had I set the girl down than a fury tendril shot out from the dog tree. With a whack, it wrapped quick around the umbilical cord, gripped it tight as the dog tree sunk into the ground before me. I hacked the vine, but it could not be cut. Next, I went for the umbilical cord, tearing with all my strength to save my girl, but the vine had melded with it and converted it into the same strong substance and so I could only watch in horror as the dog tree disappeared into mother dog, dragging my woman and daughter with it. I dug after them, ripped the dog flesh open enough to watch as the mutated dogs of the upper layers tore at the child's face. There is no hope for the human race. The dogscape will not tolerate disloyalty any longer. And so, I commit myself to this dog mound, to become truly one with mother dog. What a damn fool I was, forever thinking I could beat this world. Log 11. Galactic Calendar Year 100. Day 1. We have arrived at the closest star system from our previous home. Our world was ravaged by war, and we continue through space as nomads. We have searched for a hospitable world, and find this one to be to our liking. We have received signals from this planet that date back at least 700 of its rotations around this star. If they are anything like us, then generations surely have changed here. As we approached, I am puzzled, for the planet appears much different than our records indicate. The planet is a brown color, not blue, and it appears to be alive in its own right. We will send a team down and investigate. Our ship reached orbit around the planet's singular moon. There we gave the crew a final review of the information we knew about the people of this world. Our main source of communication we have received was in the form of signals they called television. Our understanding of the language will no doubt appear primitive to the dwellers below. Though personally, I feel that something is odd. We had lost all communication with this world recently. The captain assumes it was because they're switching to a higher technology. They always talked about their newest technology, which looked more and more like a race that could enter that of other spacefaring peoples. I am to go down with the rest of my team by the next day on the planet. Though I watch the now brown world and feel that something is wrong. Terribly wrong. Log 12. I don't know how many days it's been since I saw the last human. It's hard for the remaining survivors of the dogscape. Women have all gone, and only a handful of men remain. But as I said, it's been days since I saw the last one. I wandered the furry fields looking for a teat patch 
when I stumbled across something both very horrifying yet wonderful at the same time. I looked down at what appeared to be a patch of both male and female reproductive dog organs. I stared, fascinated, as they endlessly paired with each other. I knew I should have looked away, but I just couldn't. After a while of watching them breed endlessly, they seemed to stop. It appeared they finally sensed me. I almost felt bad for interrupting, so I started to walk away, but I felt something grab a hold of my leg. I looked down to see a mutated dog paw holding tightly to my pant leg. I tried to pull my leg from its grasp, but it held on. Then, to my horror, it started pulling me to the middle of the organ patch. I frantically began to fight to get loose, for I knew what I wanted. More dog paws sprouted up and began pulling me. I knew I didn't stand a chance. I knew that I would be joined with Dog Mother in the end, so I silently accepted my fate. At least I would die happy. Log 13 While archaic, tribal worship of the Dog Mother, in all its visible and fleshy glory, is the most common form of religion in the barbaric dogscape. There does exist another mythology, one practiced only in distant, isolated pockets, and by a few of the older survivors. The exact details change from tribe to tribe, year to year, but the basics never change. It is the legend of the beginning of the dogscape, the genesis of the world we know. It tells of a time when humans were plentiful and walked upon ground that wasn't alive. There is a god, or a demon perhaps, a dog that lived amongst the humans was even accepted and provided for by a human family. But it was no ordinary dog. This beast lived for over 50 years. While canines at the time rarely lasted more than a decade, it was greatly powerful, more in control of its owner family than they were of it. They say it went out at night and hunted human prey, bringing back large collections of bones as trophies to its home. But the humans tried to ignore it, convince themselves that it wasn't a problem. Soon, though, as the origin dog reached a century of age, it became increasingly powerful and unlike others. There were more strange disappearances than even attacks during the day. Vehicles were found with deep bite marks for, through metal, and homes were burrowed into from below. The government of the time, many times more powerful than any chieftain of today, captured the hellhound. They performed experiments, tried to understand where it channeled its energy from. Progress was good. It looked as though even the secret to immortality could be gained from this dog. But accidents occurred. The betrayer, as they call her, who worked at the government facility, felt sympathy for the god dog. She released him, and concurrently, the all-consuming hell that is the dogscape. The enraged beast no longer held any sympathy for humanity. As it thrashed recklessly through the lab, mutated samples adhered to its flesh, growing like a cancer. Soon what would become the dogscape, were spreading like wildfire. Its maw gnashing at everything that moved, its hide spreading over soil, stone, and sea. What is the name of this horrible demon? It varies, but it all comes from a similar etymological origin. I believe I've taken down names from over the world. Armad, Miram, Aduk, and yet the dog mother is most certainly feminine. Well, it is said that the betrayer was in fact the first human assimilated into the dogscape. Log 14. It's cold here. Jets of moist breath dot the landscape amid undulating hills. There are no proper dog trees, only short piles of huddling dog limbs. Teats are few and far between, 
and when I find one, I must work to coax the milk into a skin bladder. I move across the hills, my feet numb through the shoes I have fashioned. I move in the direction that seems easiest, a subtle and mangy slope that I only just noticed was guiding my path in a general downhill fashion. Where there is fur, it is thick and rancid with matted oil. I don't know why the mother does what it does, but all of her fruits have their uses. I hack at a fur clump, separating it from the flesh below. There's only a little blood from a grazed skin tag. I fold and shape the waxy fur into the insulating hairy coverings on my body. The dog flesh rumbles beneath me in a more than disconcerting way. It has been doing that for the past several weeks. More so the further I have traveled. It is getting colder. I can hear only the wind now, tearing across the mother. The howls, warbling and mournful, have stopped. The sharp barks and yips no longer form a background cacophony. I huddle in my coverings and shoulder ahead. I have no path to follow but forward. The ground feels harder here. The gentle give of the dog land has ceased, giving way to a dull sound absorbing thud of matted fur. I slipped yesterday on what seemed to be a lake of solid piss. It was not reabsorbing into the mother. My own shivering seems to syndicate with the occasional rumbles of the mother. Her flesh no longer seems like a living being. But I know that deep within her, the blood flows. It is so cold here. I continue forward every night. The ground slopes more, and I struggle to sleep in a forgiving skin's fold. There is no purpose but to move forward now. One foot in front of the other. It has been dark for as long as I can remember. How long will this night last? The air is dry. The land is mostly featureless and hard as I walk. The wind blows clumps of brittle hair across my face, and they hurt. A soft pop, a subtle blue flash, and then they blow past me. My hands are deep with my coverings. They are numb, and if I expose them to ward off the shocks, then the cold will take them from me. I have already lost three toes. I can no longer feel that foot. I no longer bother to light fires in the deep crooks where I sleep, but the last I saw of that foot, it was black and swollen. It felt like it was burning. My travel is slow. I have heard soft, subtle tapping sounds, but when I investigate, I find only dog claws moving around the ground. The rumbles have continued, and with them now come subtle rending sounds, like a mouth chewing on a bone. When the sounds intensify, I move faster. I don't know what causes them, but I do not think it is the mother. I have not found any teats in a long time. I am thirsty, and my skin bladder is almost empty. I would kill my own parents for a fresh puppy fetus. I passed a small pile of humans, almost buried in billowing, dried fur. They were dead and desiccated. They looked like they were strong when they were lived. I keep moving. There is only the road ahead of me. I do not know what it leads to. The ground shifted beneath my feet, and I pissed in fear. Not a mouth, but a great hard chasm of flesh and bone that had tore open beneath me. A stinking, humid burst of air bellowed out, then hung in a cold cloud around me. On my ass, I peered into the gloomy hole that nearly swallowed me, but it was now still. I sat and contemplated it, breathing heavily, and thought of my empty skin bladders. Slowly, I could hear sounds several dozen feet below me start to play and echo on the cleft. A soft slapping, then a gurgle. I don't know how, 
but I knew this was my chance for sustenance. I slid into the meaty maw. I climbed down a shorn slab of giant ribs, still red and moist, and finally landed on the streaming, dark floor of the hole. It writhed beneath my feet. I felt around, not knowing what I was looking for, but my hands fell upon a thumping tube set into the meat wall, an artery. I grabbed it, pulling at the connective flesh, and then bit at it. The blood shot out in spurts, and I drank my fill. I was covered in viscera. I struggled to fill my skin bladders. The cleft shuddered around me, and I knew I must leave it immediately. The walls were starting to hang tendrils of meat, feelers, to heal this damaged canyon. I exhausted myself climbing out, and nearly fell back in as I crested the edge of the crack, out into the cold night. The dog flesh slowly mended behind me as I panted on the hard ground. Before I left it, I considered it and cataloged it. A stretch mark. The mother was still growing. I am so weak, and it is so cold. My filled bladders of blood are gone, and the gray dogscape stretches before me. I must make it to my goal, but I do not know what my goal is. I have walked for what feels like months in the darkness. I climb down a huge mass of frigid dog flesh. It is like a great heap of small dogs. A pile of dog heads and legs, a mound of tails and torsos. It is cold and lifeless. A slow, low creaking can be heard deep within it. I grip an ear and lower myself to the bottom of the wall of dog, and my foot lands on something else. I gasp, then get caught in a fit of coughing. I don't know what I'm standing on, but it is not the mother. I feel queasy, nauseous. What could possibly not be the mother? It's frigid and hard, but I scrape at it and bits of dandery coldness come up off of it. I hold them close to my face and my breath turns the stuff to water. I try to eat a handful of it, but it is so cold that it robs me of almost all my remaining energy. The moisture trickles down my throat. It is good. I look behind me at the dog wall, with its exposed, frozen bones and happy-looking faces. Then, ahead of me at the featureless dark. I am too far gone to turn back now. I continue walking for hours, then sleep, then walk more. My footsteps are leaded. Finally, ahead of me, I see light. I make my way towards it, slowly, over the course of several hours. It is a beacon to me now, a bright, glowing, steady fire. As I approach, I see that the guiding light stands on a pole before a series of low, dark structures. They are like solid walls of bone, but not. They are not of dog flesh. The billowing hair and cold, dandery water pile against the sides. I know that this is what I was destined for. At one end, near the light, is a dark panel set into the wall. On it are markings placed there by some person's hand. But I do not know what they say. AIS-1 and Entrance. I shoulder against the panel, but it barely shudders. I try again and again. I am renewed with the purpose by the discovery of this place, but I am weak from my travels. I lean my back to the panel and slide down it, exhausted. My back catches against a low bar set in the panel, pushes it down, and then clicks. The panel gives way, and I fall into the darkness within. I am in a small, dark, dry cave. It is alien to me. The wind blows debris and fur into the room with me. I look around. Strange dark masses seem to leer at me. There are soft, white skins hanging on the wall and more of the unusual markings everywhere, 
procedure list and keep closed and warning and wear radio at all times. A bright red cylinder with yellow stripes is inside a small box. I reach for it, but my hands scramble against a clear covering across the entrance to the box. I look at my hands now. They are purple, and I cannot feel them anymore. Another panel is on the opposite wall, like the one I had opened. I move towards it feebly. I am so cold. I pull on the handle set into the panel, but it does not move. A small light flashes above it. I pull harder, but it does not move. I pull again, jumping, but lose my balance and lurch to the ground. I smack my head with a dull thud. The cold is blowing in fiercely from the opening behind me. I scrape against the hard panel, but it will not move. More markings adorn it. Close outer door first. I do not understand them. I sit against the panel. My vision is blurry, and a trickle of my own blood seeps across my eyes. I go to sleep there, leaning against the dark doorway. I sleep, and I do not wake up. Epilogue My name is Charles Mountell of Arctic Ice Station 1. The abomination is not here. It is too cold. Tigger and I are the last survivors. We are 14 nautical miles south of the North Pole, directly north of Vancouver. Triangulate our position based on this radio signal. This message will repeat in five minutes. The radio broadcasts the message again, as it had thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of times. A cold, dead, desiccated body sat huddled before the radio system in a chair. At its feet lay the curled, dead body of a mutt. I don't know what to say about that story. (laughs) I started reading it, and uh, (laughs) that was insane. But I kind of like it. I don't know why. But I hope you enjoy the story. Come back next time for some more scary stories. And as always, remember to face your fears.